Chapter 7 of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Departure from the Sandwich Islands, Misunderstandings, Miseries of a Suspicious Man, Arrival at the Columbia, Dangerous Service, Gloomy Apprehensions, Bars and Breakers, Perils of the Ship, Disasters of a Boat's Crew, burial of a sandwich islander it was on the twenty eighth of february that the tonquin set sail from the sandwich islands for two days the wind was contrary and the vessel was detained in their neighbourhood at length a favourable breeze sprang up and in a little while the rich groves green hills and snowy peaks of those happy islands one after another sank from sight or melted into the blue distance and the Tonquin ploughed her course towards the sterner regions of the Pacific. The misunderstandings between the captain and his passengers still continued, or rather increased in gravity. By his altercations and his moody humours, he had cut himself off from all community of thought or freedom of conversation with them. He disdained to ask questions as to their proceedings, and could only guess at the meaning of their movements, and in so doing indulged in conjectures and suspicions which produced the most whimsical self-torment. Thus, in one of his disputes with them relative to the goods on board, some of the packages of which they wished to open, to take out articles of clothing for the men or presents for the natives, he was so harsh and peremptory that they lost all patience and hinted that they were the strongest party and might reduce him to a very ridiculous dilemma by taking from him the command a thought now flashed across the captain's mind that they really had a plan to depose him and that having picked up some information at owyhee possibly of war between the united states and england they meant to alter the destination of the voyage perhaps to seize upon ship and cargo for their own use once having conceived this suspicion everything went to foster it they had distributed firearms among some of their men a common precaution among the fur traders when mingling with the natives this however looked like preparation then several of the partners and clerks and some of the men being scotsmen were acquainted with the gaelic and held long conversations together in that language these conversations were considered by the captain of a mysterious and unwarranted nature and related no doubt to some foul conspiracy that was brewing among them he frankly avows such suspicions in his letter to mr astor but intimates that he stood ready to resist any treasonous outbreak, and seems to think that the evidence of preparation on his part had an effect in overawing the conspirators. The fact is, as we have since been informed by one of the parties, it was a mischievous pleasure with some of the partners and clerks, who were young men, to play upon the suspicious temper and splenetic humours of the captain to this we may ascribe many of their whimsical pranks and absurd propositions and above all their mysterious colloquies in gaelic in this sore and irritable mood did the captain pursue his course keeping a wary eye on every movement and bristling up whenever the detested sound of the gaelic language grated upon his ear 
nothing occurred however materially to disturb the residue of the voyage excepting a violent storm and on the twenty second of march the tonquin arrived at the mouth of the oregon or columbia river the aspect of the river and the adjacent coast was wild and dangerous the mouth of the columbia is upwards of four miles wide with the peninsula and promontory on one side and a long low spit of land on the other between which a sandbar and chain of breakers almost block the entrance the interior of the country rises into successive ranges of mountains which at the time of the arrival of the tonquin were covered with snow a fresh wind from the northwest sent a rough tumbling sea upon the coast which broke upon the bar in furious surges and extended a sheet of foam almost across the mouth of the river under these circumstances the captain did not think it prudent to approach within three leagues until the bar should be sounded and the channel ascertained mr fox the chief mate was ordered to this service in the whaleboat accompanied by john martin an old seaman who had formerly visited the river and by three canadians fox requested to have regular sailors to man the boat but the captain would not spare them from the service of the ship and supposed the canadians being expert boatmen on lakes and rivers were competent to the service especially when directed and aided by fox and martin fox seems to have lost all firmness of spirit on the occasion and to have regarded the service with a misgiving heart he came to the partners for sympathy knowing their differences with the captain and the tears were in his eyes as he represented his case i am sent off said he without seamen to man my boat in boisterous weather and on the most dangerous part of the northwest coast my uncle was lost a few years ago on this same bar and i am now going to lay my bones alongside of his the partners sympathized in his apprehensions and remonstrated with the captain the latter however was not to be moved he had been displeased with mr fox in the earlier part of the voyage considering him indolent and inactive and probably thought his present repugnance arose from a want of true nautical spirit the interference of the partners in the business of the ship also was not calculated to have a favourable effect on a stickler for authority like himself especially in his actual state of feeling towards them at one o'clock p m therefore fox and his comrades set off in the whaleboat which is represented as small in size and crazy in condition all eyes were strained after the little bark as it pulled for shore rising and sinking with the huge rolling waves until it entered a mere speck among the foaming breakers and was soon lost to view evening set in night succeeded and passed away and morning returned but without the return of the boat as the wind had moderated the ship stood near to the land so as to command a view of the river's mouth nothing was to be seen but a wild chaos of tumbling waves breaking upon the bar and apparently forming a foaming barrier from shore to shore 
towards night the ship again stood out to gain sea-room and a gloom was visible in every countenance the captain himself shared in the general anxiety and probably repented of his peremptory orders another weary and watchful night succeeded during which the wind subsided and the weather became serene on the following day the ship having drifted near the land anchored in fourteen fathoms water to the northward of the long peninsula or promontory which forms the north side of the entrance and is called cape disappointment the pinnace was then manned and two of the partners mr david stewart and mr mackay set off in the hope of learning something of the fate of the whaleboat the surf however broke with such violence along the shore that they could find no landing-place several of the natives appeared on the beach and made signs to them to row round the cape but they thought it most prudent to return to the ship the wind now springing up the tonquin got under way and stood in to seek the channel but was again deterred by the frightful aspect of the breakers from venturing within a league here she hove to and mr mumford the second mate was dispatched with four hands in the pinnace to sound across the channel until he should find four fathoms depth the pinnace entered among the breakers but was near being lost and with difficulty got back to the ship the captain insisted that mr mumford had steered too much to the southward he now turned to mr aiken an able mariner destined to command the schooner intended for the coasting trade and ordered him together with john coles sailmaker and stephen weeks armourer and two sandwich islanders to proceed ahead and take soundings while the ship should follow under easy sail in this way they proceeded until aiken had ascertained the channel when signal was given from the ship for him to return on board he was then within pistol-shot but so furious was the current and tumultuous the breakers that the boat became unmanageable and was hurried away the crew crying out piteously for assistance in a few moments she could not be seen from the ship's deck some of the passengers climbed to the mizzen-top and beheld her still struggling to reach the ship but shortly after she broached broadside to the waves and her case seemed desperate the attention of those on board of the ship was now called to their own safety they were in shallow water the vessel struck repeatedly the waves broke over her and there was danger of her foundering at length she got into seven fathoms water and the wind lulling and the night coming on cast anchor with the darkness their anxieties increased the wind whistled the sea roared the gloom was only broken by the ghastly glare of the foaming breakers the minds of the seamen were full of dreary apprehensions and some of them fancied they heard the cries of their lost comrades mingling with the uproar of the elements for a time too the rapidly ebbing tide threatened to sweep them from their precarious anchorage at length 
the reflux of the tide and the springing up of the wind enabled them to quit their dangerous situation and take shelter in a small bay within cape disappointment where they rowed in safety during the residue of the stormy night and enjoyed a brief interval of refreshing sleep with the light of day returned their cares and anxieties they looked out from the masthead over a wild coast and wilder sea but could discover no trace of the two boats and their crews that were missing several of the natives came on board with peltries but there was no disposition to trade they were interrogated by signs after the lost boats but could not understand the inquiries parties now went on shore and scoured the neighborhood one of these was headed by the captain they had not proceeded far when they beheld a person at a distance in civilized garb as he drew near he proved to be weeks the armorer there was a burst of joy for it was hoped his comrades were near at hand his story however was one of disaster he and his companions had found it impossible to govern their boat having no rudder and being beset by rapid and whirling currents and boisterous surges after long struggling they had let her go at the mercy of the waves tossing about sometimes with her bow sometimes with her broadside to the surges threatened each instant with destruction yet repeatedly escaping until a huge sea broke over and swamped her weeks was overwhelmed by the broiling waves but emerging above the surface looked round for his companions aiken and coals were not to be seen near him were the two sandwich islanders stripping themselves of their clothing that they might swim more freely he did the same and the boat floating near to him he seized hold of it the two islanders joined him and uniting their forces they succeeded in turning the boat upon her keel then bearing down her stern and rocking her they forced out so much water that she was able to bear the weight of a man without sinking one of the islanders now got in and in a little while bailed out the water with his hands the other swam about and collected the oars and they all three got once more on board by this time the tide had swept them beyond the breakers and weeks called on his companions to row for land they were so chilled and benumbed by the cold however that they lost all heart and absolutely refused weeks was equally chilled but had superior sagacity and self-command he counteracted the tendency to drowsiness and stupor which cold produces by keeping himself in constant exercise and seeing that the vessel was advancing and that everything depended upon himself he set to work to scull the boat clear of the bar and into quiet water toward midnight one of the poor islanders expired his companion threw himself on his corpse and could not be persuaded to leave him the dismal night wore away amidst these horrors as the day dawned weeks found himself near the land he steered directly for it and at length with the aid of the surf ran his boat high upon a sandy beach finding that one of the sandwich islanders yet gave signs of life he aided him to leave the boat and set out with him towards the adjacent woods the poor fellow however was too feeble to follow him 
and weeks was soon obliged to abandon him to his fate and provide for his own safety falling upon a beaten path he pursued it and after a few hours came to a part of the coast where to his surprise and joy he beheld the ship at anchor and was met by the captain and his party after weeks had related his adventures three parties were dispatched to beat up the coast in search of the unfortunate islander they returned at night without success though they had used the utmost diligence on the following day the search was resumed and the poor fellow was at length discovered lying beneath a group of rocks his legs swollen his feet torn and bloody from walking through bushes and briars and himself half dead with cold hunger and fatigue weeks and this islander were the only survivors of the crew of the jolly-boat and no trace was ever discovered of fox and his party thus eight men were lost on the first approach to the coast a commencement that cast a gloom over the spirits of the whole party and was regarded by some of the superstitious as an omen that boded no good to the enterprise towards night the sandwich islanders went on shore to bury the body of their unfortunate countrymen who had perished in the boat on arriving at the place where it had been left they dug a grave in the sand in which they deposited the corpse with a biscuit under one of the arms some lard under the chin and a small quantity of tobacco as provisions for its journey in the land of spirits having covered the body with sand and flints they kneeled along the grave in a double row with their faces turned to the east while one who officiated as a priest sprinkled them with water from a hat in so doing he recited a kind of prayer or invocation to which at intervals the others made responses such were the simple rites performed by these poor savages at the grave of their comrade on the shores of a strange land and when these were done they rose and returned in silence to the ship without once casting a look behind End of chapter seven